Hey everyone, the Stuff I Don't Like podcast is now available on Spotify. That's right, all you gotta do is open the Spotify app, search Stuff I Don't Like, and we'll pop up. You can follow us there. As always, we're available on iTunes, podcast app, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, and a couple other places. For a complete listing of everywhere you can stream the podcast, please visit stuffidontlike.net. I just redesigned the website. Um, I think it looks pretty dope. Uh, I hope you do too. So yeah, go check out the website. Go subscribe, rate, and review in your app of choice. And let's get the show started. Hey, Ray, what's happening? Hey, Dave. I'm so glad you made it. I'm so excited for this talk. I was just listening to your podcast earlier. So sorry. Oh, no worries. <laughs> so thank you for um, being on my podcast. I'm really a big fan of yours and all of the content you make, the Business Bully podcast, your books. And so I'm really honored that you're on my show. Oh, thank you. It means a lot to me. It really does. Oh, no, no worries at all. So for people that are my listeners and don't know, um, Dave Anderson is an author of so many books. And <laughs> I was just looking <laughs> on Amazon, like all your books have five stars, which is pretty crazy. So congrats yeah. on that. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. You know, um, you've been on cool places like my, some of my personal fave shows like the breakfast club used to produce for ricky smiley's radio show you interviewed oh. my favorite person gary v who I yeah i get that a lot <laughs> well I, it was funny because when i was listening to that episode you were saying how people call you like the black gary v and you don't yeah. be known as that but i honestly thought the same thing <laughs> when i first listened you. but that's true like we all need to pave our own paths and you shouldn't be compared to you know other people you're you right you know it's 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 a funny thing like when I look at how people compare other people normally there's some like influence there or there is uh something you can kind of hang on to and say, say okay I can see where he or she got that. Like if you listen to our um, Trey songs, you can hear R. Kelly. If you listen to R. Kelly, you can hear Aaron Hall. You listen to Aaron Hall, you can hear Rick James. Mm. You know what I mean? You listen to Rick James, you can hear James Brown. Like for me, I didn't know who the guy was, <laughs> you know? And the more popular I became, it was like, man, you like a black Gary B. I'm like, who the hell is Gary V? Like, who is this dude? I'm going to kill him. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, but, you know, Gary is a, uh, he's a really, really good guy. I'm not going to uh, knock him at all. He's been extremely supportive and helpful. His team is incredible. Um, you know, I get, you know, once I, I actually sat down and spoke with him, I can see why people compare us. You know, we are kind of no nonsense. Um, we both were given, you know, very, very strong um senses of self-awareness from our, our mothers specifically. And, you know, both of us had fathers and, and uh, you know, relatives who were entrepreneurs. And so there's that. And we all were just a little bit ahead of the, 
me and him were just a little bit ahead of the curve when it came to utilizing the internet, using social media for business before that became a popular thing. So I'm not offended anymore by it. I just don't like the term Black Gary V. I think I'm actually going to buy that domain. I'm, I'm gonna buy, you know what? I'm, I'm buying BlackGaryV.com as we speak. You should. I think, honestly, it's just because you both are just so real, which is very refreshing. And it's sort of, especially in this sort of entrepreneurial, motivational speech, it's so easy to, like, be fake and to swindle people. And I think people can instantly recognize the fakery. And for me, you two are, in my opinion, like, basically the only people out there that aren't fake like you're not only just posting motivational quotes all day you know people need that but people just need to cut the shit like most of what is impeding people or holding them back are their own like bullshit and I like you two are the only people that'll just call people out and be like nah that's bullshit you know let me tell you something Ray that's really interesting um, I have I have a lot of conversations with myself, and I have a very very vivid imagination. So in my head, I'm literally sitting on one side of the bed, and the other me is sitting on the other side of the bed, and I'm literally yelling and screaming at myself to be better, yelling and screaming at myself to get up, yelling and screaming at myself um, to lose weight, to finish this book because it's hard. It's very like. I hate, and this is why, listen, this is the one thing I will love about Gary, uh, and there's many, but this is the one thing above all else I love about him. Um, I get sick of people really doing this whole thing where they have what I call the entrepreneurial swell. They've seen five seasons of Shark Tank, two episodes <laughs> of the property, and now all of a sudden, they're an entrepreneur. Yes. And I'm like, yo, where were you when I was being called nuts? You know, where, where, where was all this love for entrepreneurs then? You know what I'm saying? And then a lot of people who are um, admiring entrepreneurs are admiring people who um, don't really have the goods they claim to have. Yes. You know, and I'm very, I'm very real. And, and even with, even with Gary, I talked about, it. I said, look, dude, I said, you fly private. I took a Greyhound to get to your office. <laughs> I know. Like, I, I got no shame for that because I come from, listen, man, I come from, you know, I come from a, a situation where I remember running a, a, an extension cord next door to get the lights, you know, because we couldn't afford to have lights sometimes. And I remember having a kerosene heater in the middle of my living room. So, you know, when it comes to money, I'm, 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 I'm a little bit of a penny pincher. I try not to be cheap. Like I spoiled a f- trying to watch my language. Oh, no. Uh, I, you curse all okay, cool. I spoiled the fuck out of my kids, man. I fucking love my kids, man. Both of my girls, like, I love them so fucking much. And I carry around, a, and, and me and Gary really unpack this shit with each other. You know, it's like, I carry around a lot of guilt. You know, like, Gary says, you know, I'll take two weeks or a month off, and I'll take my kids and we'll go on vacation. And I'm like, yeah, you know, um, I take time off to kind of just spend with my kid like I'll go down to DC where my oldest goes to school and you know I'll just pop up like yo I'm here let's go get burgers you know what I'm saying or I, I love picking up my daughter uh, my baby girl every day from daycare you know what I'm saying because there's something pure about doing this for real you know and 
a lot of these folks, they'll go and they'll rent an Airbnb and then go rent uh, a luxury car and then just put up a bunch of ads. That's why, if you look, you don't see any Dave Anderson ads. Yeah, that's true. It's all sort of content and beneficial. Because, listen, when I was, when I was, when I was dabbling in what you now know as podcasting, and I was in radio doing this for a different company that wasn't a radio company, it was an internet marketing company, before the term internet marketing was happening, I went to radio conventions with my peers. And I'd say, look, this is going to be the future. People are going to go to these servers and they're going to download, you know, mixtapes and, and talk shows and so on and so forth. And I got laughed out of the room. Wow. You know, and I, and I try my best without blasting anybody to leave Easter eggs in each one of my interviews. So, like, go back and watch my second Breakfast Club interview. I said, listen, they told me, meaning the, the company that the Breakfast Club works for, iHeart, they told me that they couldn't have any great areas. And they had an issue with my podcast. I said, but look, and I point to Charlamagne, I said, you, you got a podcast? Look at Angela, I said, you got a podcast? <laughs> Every full-timer is required to have a podcast now. Oh, but wow. pioneers were scalped and settlers prosper. I'm okay with being first. You see what I'm saying? Because you got to be willing to deal with that crazy. I'm not flashing bang. You know what I mean? I, I, I'm in this for a long time. I'm trying to build something bigger than myself. And I'm trying to, like, for me, and I'm not one to, how can I put this? I'm not one to hustle race, but I do hustle reality. You understand what I mean? No, ex explain that. Okay. There are people who will say, oh, well, because I'm black, I can't never get to the top. Yeah. And I'm like, that's bullshit. You, you can get to the top. It's just going to require more because you're black. Yeah, that's completely true. The, the, you know what I'm saying? Like, I can't, I don't use my blackness as a handicap, but I do realize that with my blackness, I am handicapped. Do you understand? Yeah. You know? And so there are people who will literally, like, I got emails and they're like, oh, well, you know, it would it, be much easier if you were white. Look at Gary Vee. And I'm like, no, Gary deserves everything he's got. And yeah, it would be much easier if I was a white dude saying the stuff that I was saying because I'm big, I'm tall. You know, I look like, yeah, I mean, I'll pound your chest in <laughs> and I'm telling you to get off your shit. Gary's short and tiny and white. And he says, get off your shit. And people are like, yes, Gary. <laughs> they look down on him because he's not the tallest statured man in the world, you know, but I, I can't wallow in, oh, well, this person has privilege or this person was rich or this person had a daddy that could do. I can't do that. Yeah. I got to focus on the long game and the truth of the matter, Ray. And what and I hope I'm not like taking up too much of your time with this, but I think it's important for people to hear. Um, the truth of the matter is. I'm at a point now where people are telling me, hey, I'm a fan. Hey, I love your content. I appreciate what you say. I'm glad that you're here. And for me, you know, I know if I continue on and, and I'm consistent that I'm going to get my private fucking jet. I'm going to have my skyscraper and that's fine. But I'm in this because there are millions of people who are miserable, right? Yeah. And, and they're miserable at their jobs and they don't want to be there and it's killing their spirit. And that's why you got so many people looking horrible when they're on the train, even though they're dressed in $2,000 suits. But I digress. Go ahead. Ask me some questions. Okay. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about 
I'm starting a series called Get Your Life April because I'm tired of people complaining. And so I want to lay out specific steps that have helped me experience, you know, growth. And I'm not perfect. Like I probably am barely figuring this stuff out like a few months ago because I tell people, I tell my listeners all the time that I had a real huge problem with consistency. And that's the only thing that will allow yourself to grow and to expand. It's not that you had a great idea because ideas are a dime a dozen. It's not that you had a great idea and you worked a little bit hard. You could have a mediocre idea. You could even have a bad idea. But if you work at that idea every single day, it's going to be something that grows. And I don't think people understand that. I think we live in a sort of, you know, obviously Instagram era, YouTube era, you see these people and you think that, oh, well, this person has a million followers. I'm just going to get a million followers too. But you don't understand that this, it took years for this person to get to this level. And you have to do things every single day. I've, I've challenged myself to literally do something for my podcast every single day, whether that thing is just posting an Instagram post or actually recording or, or finding my SEO or just listening to other people's podcasts and, and learning what I want to do. But you have to do something every day. So I wanted to ask you, I guess, how do you uh, gain focus in your life? Because I think with entrepreneurs, a problem is you do, like I said, you do have a lot of ideas, but how do you hone in on what ideas will push you forward? And maybe some ideas you just have to set aside for now and bring them back later. Um, I'm going to be real honest with you, Ray. Mm-hmm. I focus on so much at the same time. Oh, wow. Because because, and it's not a scatterbrain thing. I'm trying to put it in a way that, that'll make sense to the audience. In 1994, I was a teenage kid and I watched the Jacksons movie. It was the miniseries, a four-part miniseries, like eight damn hours, right? So that was like the most popular thing on TV at the time. And I remember one particular installment where teenage Michael Jackson is talking to his mother and he has tears flowing down his face for two reasons. Number one, the magazines are being really rough on him and they're saying, oh, look at Michael Jackson. He's not cute anymore. He's got pimples. Mm-hmm. And, you know, his mother was like, look, you know, you got to dry your tears and focus on your music. And he said, that's the other problem. And, he, and she says, what? He said, I got all this music inside of me and I just want to get it out. Ray, for me, I've got, I'm literally right now, just right now, this week, I'm writing two books. I am, um, I'm coaching 10 people. I am um, getting ready to do a sales training in Utah. I am doing a panel discussion um, on uh, millennial entrepreneurship um, in downtown Philadelphia. Um, Oh, and my daughter's turning three on Monday and I'm going to be in Utah. Um, So I got a lot of stuff to concentrate on, but even still with that, I got to go shopping for her. My oldest daughter, like there's a lot of things going on, but I'm working on so much. I'm, you know, I'm working on my Instagram game. I'm going live two, three times a day. I'm doing everything I possibly can so that I can leave an impact. But here's the thing. I don't waste my time with menial tasks, meaning busy work that I can offshoot to somebody else. And there's someone right now saying, well, Mr. Anderson, that sounds really cool. I mean, yeah, real good job, Dave. You've got money. Eh, that's debatable, but um, 
here's 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 what I also have. I have Google. Yeah. You know, and I love your show because you are focused so much on millennials and making sure millennials don't buy into their own bullshit. And there's a whole lot of millennial counterculture that's happening. I'm not with the whole anti-millennial thing. I am, however, about millennial accountability. And if you have in your pocket a device that has more computing power than the first rockets that went to the moon, and every answer to any question you could ever possibly want to know in your pocket and you're not using it, it's your own fucking fault. Yes. You can literally. Yes. <laughs> I literally said if I was a rapper, I would make a song called Bitch Just Google. Because literally, <laughs> <laughs> literally, you know what I mean? People ask me, and I, I don't claim to be an expert. Like, I'm learning stuff, too. People ask me, well, how do you do this? How do you do that? I honestly said, you got a computer, you got a phone, Google. Like, why? And it honestly annoys me when people ask me stuff, not to be a dick. Like, you know, I t- was learned and taught in school. You know, you're taught, like, no question is a stupid question. But actually, like, do some research yourself before you waste other people's time asking them questions because we live in such a beautiful age there's the internet before there was gatekeepers to media there's gatekeepers to knowledge you had to maybe go to college to learn this you had to do this to learn this now you can just go on youtube you can learn so much yourself that it really bothers me when people don't take the initiative. It makes me question, like, you say you want to do this, but do you really want to? Because if you did, you would be learning stuff yourself, not waiting for people to tell you how to do things. See, but again, that still comes back to self-awareness. Ray, you are self-aware beyond your years. A lot of people aren't. And you know what? That's not your generation's fault. That's my generation's fault. Yeah, <laughs> because, I agree with uh, that. You know, a lot of us as parents didn't do, damn, I sound old as fuck. I'm only 40. <laughs> You're not that old. No, but I mean, I got a grown-ass child. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like, my, my, my oldest daughter's 18, so I'm, I'm, I'm old. Um, <laughs> or experience, I'm, I'm very experience-rich. Um, <laughs> listen, I know for a fact that my generation spent a lot of time trying to undo what was done to us by our parents. And in the course of doing that, we made our kids worse Mm -hmm. because we don't, we don't teach them how to fend for shit. We don't teach them how to solve nothing. When I wanted a question answered and I'm living in the house with um, my uncle who went to MIT and was on the team that invented the Jumbotron. My mother who was a two time um, teacher of the year um, uh, finalist, for the school district of Philadelphia, my grandmother, who was a, who was a longstanding teacher, my grandfather, who worked at the Bud Company doing you know um, metal construction and managing like complete crews. So I'm I'm sitting around brilliant people, and I'm like, hey, how are you? And they're like, we spent all that money on those encyclopedias. Get your ass up and go look it up. We don't do that. We don't tell our kids to Google it. We just answer the question like quick, like it's Jeopardy. That's our, that's not on millennials. That's on us. So after a while you get conditioned to do that. So here's the thing. What I believe above all else is that you do the stuff that you're passionate about and leave the fuck shit to somebody else. In other words, there are people in the Philippines who you can pay five bucks an hour 
you know, to be your virtual assistant and do all those menial tasks that are taking up way too much time. We're spending too much time on menial tasks and then we're spending too much time on bullshit, reality, TV, TMZ, and shit that's not going to make us any money and secure the bag. Yeah. And I would, to add to that, I would say people are are cheap and they want to spend their time which is money also and actual money on in their energy on things that really don't matter but stuff that could actually enrich their life or be helpful to them then you always hear complaining like oh I'm broke I don't have money like I am a graphic designer by trade like that's what I do. That's my job. So I'll have people, you know, come up to me. They'll ask for logos. They'll ask for this. And I tell them, like, my rate. Oh, you know, well, you my friend. Can you give me a discount? <laughs> All this bullshit. Like, why should I have to give you a discount when you'll go to the store and buy some, like, $300 shoes? Well, you know I'm broke. Well, you're broke, but you're at the club every day. Like, you want to say you spend your energy on stuff that's really not going to enrich you and then the stuff that you could you know invest in some design services and get a logo you could buy a book that will help you and give you some knowledge you don't want to spend money on stuff that's actually helpful to you but you'll spend money to like look cool and fit in and impress people that don't care about you like that's what i don't understand yeah, um, I'm going to tell you what it is, because we're, we're trained and conditioned to focus on society's opinion. And the reason that I win in a lot of cases is that I've insulated myself from that. You know, when I was a kid, my mother worked two jobs. She ran a, uh, she ran a salon and she taught. And so I didn't see a lot of her until the evening. So I was always with my grandmother. And so I come home to my grandmother who lived down the street from my elementary school and I come home crying my eyes out and I say, my mom. And she said, boy, what's wrong? And I said, well, they're, they're, um, they're making fun of me because I'm fat. She laughed. She said, boy, you are fat. She said, oh. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my dear departed me, Mark, kept it real, real. She said, uh, you are fat, but here's the thing. You go back to that school and you tell them dumb bastards that, my mama can afford to feed me well. So I come home the next day. <laughs> She's like, stop crying. What happened? I said, they're talking about, um, uh, I got Coke bottle glasses. And she said, boy, you tell them that your mother can afford to put top quality glasses on you and you'll see things that they'll never, ever get to see. And so after a while, two things happened. I stopped crying. I stopped complaining. Mm. And then subsequently, I stopped listening to people who would never achieve anything that anything close to what I would because they were so busy focused on me and trying to tear me down. Wow, the majority of society is focused on what other people says, and then they make adjustments based upon the people's opinions who don't matter. Yeah. I, you know, I adjust with how I feel about myself when I look in the mirror. You know, my, my, my wife doesn't have to understand it. My daughters don't have to understand it. My mother don't have to understand it. As long as I'm clear with the vision that God gave me, I'm gravy. That's, yeah, that's true. That's what I, I was talking with a friend last week and you mentioned, you know, about being a black man and how it'd be easier for a white person to have the success. I was talking to my friend about white supremacy and I was saying, you know, I 
obviously racism is real, institutional racism is real, but I think one of the biggest tricks of white supremacy is not in the actual oppression, it's how they create mental roadblocks and say because you are this you are supposed to do this because you know you can take it for patriarchy too you're a woman you're supposed to do this you're black you're supposed to do this so you have these mind this mindset that you can't achieve because they place barriers upon you but in reality you know you can do whatever you want to do you need to break that barrier and i think that's that's the greatest tool that we can fight white supremacy is to teach people that they can do whatever they want to do and they don't have to be beholden to ideals or standards that someone has set for them because in every era it doesn't matter black people have achieved and won in every single era so you can do what you want to do right and that's true now let me give let me give you the reverse of that yes we have succeeded in every single realm of human endeavor but we live in a world where we don't really own the media, we don't really own the means of production. And so what winds up happening um, is that there are messages, like I've been all over the world, you know, you go to, I remember I went, I went to the Netherlands and I had a very, very popular show um, that was syndicated in the Netherlands. And so I got off the plane, you would have thought it was Hasselhoff in Germany. Yeah. You know, so I was like, yo, this is some dope shit. Like, yo, I'm popping over here. I'm like, no wonder the Backstreet Boys spent so much time and you're like, this is popping. <laughs> so one, one, you know, one of the people said to me, you know, and they were being straight up. They weren't even trying to be funny. It's like, you know, you're nothing like what I imagined. And I said, well, what did you imagine? Well, I thought you'd come over here with your pants sagging and go, yo, yo, yo. I was like, do I go yo, yo, yo on my show? And he was like, well, no, but, you know, that's what we see. Mm. You know, and it, it happens with my, you know, with um, uh, people that I've met in, in, in Seoul, in, in Korea, like it happens in Osaka, Japan. Like there is a, 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 a permeating message that goes out to the world, not just about black people, but about other groups, you know, that is hard to combat because it's permeated out there. Like if all I saw of black women was loving hip hop and basketball wise, I would think that everybody's angry, everybody has a 50 foot weave and everybody throws um, drinks at each other when they have a disagreement. That's true. That you know, and My uncle told me, uh, he was in the Korean war and he said when mm -hmm. he went there, he like the Koreans uh, were like, kept following him around, looking at him like they'd run behind him and look at him. And he was like, what What are you looking at? And he said, they straight up said to him, oh, we're looking for your tail. We heard black people have tails. Yeah. And I, this was so absurd to me. He's like, you know, white people told him we had tails. So they're not trying to be racist. That's just what they've been taught. And just the level of the lengths like white supremacy goes to is like mind boggling to me. Right. Right. But no, like, um, I live in, I live in an area, um, you know, I, when I, when I came home to Philadelphia, I, um, I bought my people here and, you know, I'll talk to them and they're like, yeah, you know, the first thing you get when you're on your way over here is this talk, like, watch out for black people. Black yes! People are gonna get yes, that's, that's true. People have told me that too. 
And I'm like, yo, ain't nobody going to get you. We try not to get God ourselves. Like, <laughs> you know, and, and, and it's sad. You know, I, I remember being much younger and I was in North Carolina and I was by myself. I didn't have any friends or family. I'm a brand new DJ at this radio station. And we're going out to, the, they had a concert in the cornfield. And it was Nas and, and uh, QB's finest. This is Uchi Wally Wally. Yeah. 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 So... I'm looking and it's all these people and they all like, I mean, they look like me, but they look like they've lived a much harder life than I did. And one of the dudes who was working with, uh, with me at the station, he was like, yo, man, you good? I was like, yo, I'm just keeping my head on the swivel. I'm from Philly. You know how I go. He was like, man, let me tell you something that's going to take you far in life. He said, I said, what? He said, never be scared of your own people by what they look like. Wow. You know, and that like really shook me, you know, like it, it, it woke something up inside of me. But my point is, a lot of times we feel like we don't have a way out because we don't see anything other than rappers, actors and dancers. And then you look at so many people who and athletes and then you look at so many people who have made amazing strides but they don't benefit from those. Then you get somebody like the Kardashians and they make a, they, they make a sex tape turn into a billion dollars. It's like, wow, you know, not, you know, so there are little things that happen, but overall, I think you can get past that if you just turn that off and read some books. Yes. I read so much people. I feel like I'm not really, I wouldn't call myself an expert in any one topic, but I would say I know a lot about a whole bunch of things. <laughs> um, I, I love reading and I feel that, I don't know, is, is reading becoming lost on people? I, I don't know. I feel like I read a lot more than other people my age, which is fine, but I encourage people to read books. There's so much knowledge in books so much wealth and people are so quick to you know they don't want to read everything they want to read the uh, just the summary i have this friend literally every time I'll, I'll come up to her and be like oh i read this new book i read this new article and she'll literally say like give me the summary like <laughs> she doesn't want to hear about it she just wants me to summarize everything in a sentence but knowledge can't be summarized in a sentence sometimes you have to read an entire book you can't just read tweets like you're not going to get all the information that you need. You, you, you want to know what my nightmare is? I don't have many, but my biggest nightmare is that we become a society that ref, that's reflective of the people in that Disney movie, Wally. -E. Yes. Oh, that's going to be true. I honestly think <laughs> I sadly I do think but at the end they came to their senses so maybe it'll be like the end yeah but you know how many people like my whole thing what they didn't show and, and what I only assume is how many millions of people die from diabetes hypertension um heart attacks carotid arteries you know high cholesterol you know, uh, diet, you know what I'm saying? Like all those things that come along with that kind of lifestyle. And as a big fat guy, even I'm like, okay, no, nah. like I woke <laughs> up this morning and, 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 you know, to find out that Craig Mack died of a heart attack and he wasn't even fat. Oh, I didn't even know that. He just died this morning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, late last night, early this morning. Yeah. Wow. And I was like, damn. And it like, I, I immediately got, and this is this, this one right here, Easter egg alert. 
And I immediately, you know, I, I, I told my wife, I was like, yo, Craig Mack died. She was like, for real? I was like, yeah. So I go, I warm up the car. And as I'm warming up the car, because we're ready to take the baby to daycare, I hop on Facebook Live. And I'm like, yo, Craig Mack is dead. Here's what you need to know about his death. Mm-hmm. And I start breaking down that at 46, you ain't thinking about death. You start, you know, you know, you start when you see somebody who dies, and I've lost a lot of friends, you know, and when you see people die, you start to think, okay, what is it that I'm not doing? What's inside of me that needs to come out? What is my legacy going to be? Because we act like we got all this time on the clock because modern medicine, this, and supplements, that, and kale chips, this, but you can get hit by a bus. You know what I mean? You can, you can ask those people who just went on that uh, New York helicopter flight. Yeah. I'm sure they had gifts and then that didn't come out. We waste a lot of time watching other people win, but don't spend enough time working on the things that's going to allow us to win. And then the next thing you know, that's why they say the richest place in the world is the graveyard. Cause that's where all the good ideas are buried. Mm. You know? And I want us to get out of that. Not just millennials, generation Xers, baby boomers, everybody. I want us to, to leave something, you know? Like I literally, I was talking to my aunt last week because I had some questions about um, my background, you know? And there were certain things about my grandmother that I, I needed to know, you know, that side of the family. And my grandmother died before I could really get all the info. And so I got a lot of it from my aunt. And it sounds like some kind of weird you know, novel from like like some kind of Charles Dickens, you know, <laughs> young and the restless ass type of situation, like stuff you wouldn't believe. And I'm like, damn, I wish she had time to tell that story because now I got to write this book. I got to write a book about my grandmother's life because I'm like, yo, this is this is ill. And there's a lot of stuff that we take for granted that we don't put out. And I think if we stop realizing that everybody doesn't know our gifts. If we stop taking that for granted and start really monetizing what we're great at, we wouldn't have to go working for folks. Yeah, that's true. I think such a key to being able to grow your business, whether you have a podcast, a physical business, or maybe just a brand, or even if you work for a company, just your presence at that company is networking. And I'm of the fact, like, I used to really hate networking because I saw it as fake. Like, I'm a very real person. Like, I don't have time to, I I felt like I was using people. Like, if I don't if I'm just going out handing business cards to some person because I think they're going to help me out, that's not real. I'm just trying to use this person. But you do need a network to be able to accomplish anything that you want in life. So I sort of reframed networking into uh, relationship building. Instead of mm. just going to these events, handing about handing out a bunch of business cards and you know, like, people probably gonna throw that shit away like let's just be honest um just I I I thought about it as making connections with people I actually like so it's not like this dude has you know he's the boss of the company so I'm gonna kiss his ass and be in his face but maybe befriending the girl who's in a different department but she's at the same level as me and we have similar interests and you can grow together you can build with people who are at the same level as you and you can grow and help each other out together instead of trying to like ride someone's coattails and have them rocket you to the top and I think that's something that 
people of my age need to understand because I think traditionally networking, whenever I mentioned it to my friends, like, oh, got to go network, they roll their eyes and are like, nah, I'm not <laughs> about that. So I, how has like building your network helped you grow with your books and expand your audience? How uh, can you give some tips on how to build a, a network in a natural way? Yeah. First thing I would tell everybody to do is go out and get a book. Um, this book is called The Power of Who. It's written by a guy named Bob Bodine. And uh, that's B-E-A-U-D-I-N-E. Bob Bodine um, is a guy that I met um, through, my, uh, through my former agent when I was still in radio. And I was going through a transition uh, process. I had just left Ricky Smiley's show and I was moving on towards what is now you now know as, as, as the business bully brand. Mm -hmm. And he was like, yo, you got to meet Bob. So Bob was giving this talk in Dallas. And so I go, I meet Bob and we're talking and he was like, look, read this book and then get back to me. So I read the book. Um, and, and at this time there was a lot of stuff going on. Like I was, I was going through it. Um, I wound up homeless like two weeks after that. Um, I was, I was just dealing with a lot and I, I read the book and I came, I finally made it back to Philadelphia and I was working so hard to make some things happen. And what helped me a lot was the book because the book talks about you already have everybody you need to get to what you want. You're just not expressing what your needs are and you're not giving enough to people. You know, there's an old saying that if you help enough people get what they want, you'll get what you want. And I think when you read that book, because it's, and this is not a religious conversation, I'm not uh, a religious dude, I'm very spiritual, but this is a book that has certain spiritual over and undertones to it. And he talks about Jesus for an example. And he said, Jesus had three friends, uh, 12 friends, three close, one best, mm -hmm. you know, and that's how your circle needs to be set up. You know, you, a lot of people operate, but they don't have a board. You know, there's a whole bunch of people running around calling themselves a CEO but they don't have a business license or board of directors. You know, you need to have people around you who can help uh, facilitate what it is that you do. On top of that, when you're going to networking events, people only care about themselves. Let's just be honest. That's human behavior. <laughs> yeah, true. What you need to do is, is instead of saying, hey, I want to hook up with you because you got this and you got that. You got, you got, you got what I need. No. <laughs> you, you tell them, look, I have this show. Like, hey, my name is Ray Benjamin. I got the show. It's called Stuff I Don't Like. Um, it's an awesome podcast. We had great guests on there. People are changing their lives. It's reaching millennials. I would love to have you as a guest on my show. All of a sudden, the conversation switches from what you're able to do for them because now they're guilty. Now I'm like, oh, well, shit, I got to give her something. Mm. You know? So th then it's like, so tell me about what you do. Like, I like what you're doing. I definitely want to have you on a guest. But tell me more about what you do. So then they start thinking of things that they can tell you about themselves and what they can do for you or who they can introduce you to, stuff like that. And you will find that you make so many amazing connections that way. It's awesome. Also, you're not telling your core audience, you're not telling your circle of influence what you're looking for. Because all you may, like... I got a buddy right now that does business in Japan, Detroit, London, all the time. And I know if, if I say, hey, Derek, I'm looking to buy, you know, five distressed properties in Detroit. He'll be like, hey, call this person, da 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 You know, and that's because I opened my mouth. 
You know, the Bible says you have not because you ask not. You don't tell the people who would love to help you because they already know you. They already love you. You've already done things for them. You've built a relationship with those people over time. Um, They would love to help you, but you're not telling them that because you're off looking, you know, for new booty, basically. That's so true. And I think you start with your friends and family. Like my podcast, I started it. I was inspired by a lot of podcasts, but I really like the Freakonomics podcast. And um, they interview experts in different fields, you know, psychologists, researchers. And I had some topics that I thought that are more relevant to me. And I was like, you know, I don't hear some of these topics on Freakonomics. I'd like to get to that level. But obviously I'm not, I can't, I'm just starting now. I can't call up like the Dean of Harvard and like, can you give a speech on economics on my podcast that has zero people? You know, that's not going to happen. But you know, I have friends that went to business school. They can be on my podcast. My best friend is a lawyer. She can come on my podcast and speak about immigration. So I think that we are our friends and our family are first and foremost our network and whatever we want to do if we can get a few people on board networks grow exponentially so I may know 10 people they might help me out they might know 10 more people if each 10 knows 10 that's 100 keep multiplying so I think that people have this misconception that you have to start at the top but you start vocally and then you grow for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me, let me tell you something. Uh, I agree with 95% of what you said. Here's the part I don't agree with. Mm-hmm. I and maybe it's because I've been thrust into impossible situations that I believe in the impossible so much. I literally was on the air one day with Ricky and I I remember just having just the most horrible feeling in my stomach. He's like, all right, y'all, we're going to talk about whatever it is we're going to talk about. And Al Sharpton's going to be on the show in the next 10 minutes. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, did this son of a bitch say this shit? I'm booking, <laughs> like, I'm booking and producing the show. I don't know Al Sharpton. I don't know anybody who knows Al Sharpton. And I damn sure can't get him in the next fucking nine minutes and 46 seconds I have to produce Al Sharpton. So after the blood left my body, <laughs> I went out, I went back, I went out of the studio, went into my office, and I got on the phone and I called one of my friends who was a producer over at Tom Joyner. She called Al Sharpton's uh, handler, found Al Sharpton, let him know what was going on. I got his cell phone, got him on the air in five minutes. Wow. I don't, I don't believe in limits. I believe that problems have solutions, but we're not creative enough and we don't open our mouths enough to people. I I mean, I'm all about starting, you know, where you are, but this baby step concept has killed our ability to make quantum leaps. You're right. You know, because look, I can get five multimillionaires on your show tomorrow. Wow. Please do. I'm asking. no, no, that's not a problem. The thing, the thing that I think you're missing is, you know, I do every single podcast I'm asked to do. You want to know why? Because there might be one person who listens to your podcast and says, look, I need Dave Anderson as my business coach. I need somebody who's going to teach me, you know, how to innovate in podcasting, how to grow my brick and mortar business, how to uh, have a 
a successful coaching practice, whatever the case may be. One person might hear something that I say on your podcast and they may change the entire course of their life. But because I'm Dave Anderson, oh, hear me roar, I'm going to turn down your podcast because I deem it not on my level? Get the fuck out of here. We want to be out. Like, we want to be out where the people are. You know, and that's how we live. Like, it's not like marketing is great. Facebook ads are wonderful. But this shit here, just having a real conversation and and really like giving people layers, you know, it's amazing. On top of that, I make sure I save the best things I have to say for podcasts because I don't want to just give all the content away where people know where to get the content. I want to go to as many people as I possibly can who aren't familiar with me and then turn them into fans. That's true. You know, so well, aim you. high, man. Yeah. I do all the time. That actually reminds me. Cause I think I do limit myself a lot and I have been working the past few months um, with the podcast, just being consistent. Like I said, I, I always had ideas. I've always been a creative person, but I never stuck it through. This is the first time I probably stuck something through and I, I've seen the fruition and I'm glad. But the limit, the self-limiting behavior is so true. It reminds me of, um, I went to college at uh, Loyola Marymount in LA and we had a, a talk one time where Magic Johnson came to our college and he was promoting a book that he had and was just talking about his book. And one of my friends was sitting right next to me at the Q&A session, he stood up at the end and was like, hey, yo, Magic, like, I'm about to go to get my MBA, but I can't afford it. Can you pay for me to go to school? And, like, the the whole audience just erupted in laughter and was like, are you serious, guy? And Magic Johnson was like, yeah, I'll pay for you to go to school. And he, and he literally was like, now all of you people that laughed at him, now you look stupid. You're laughing at him, but he just asked a question and I'm going to do it. And he, like, I was friends with this person. So I know Magic Johnson followed through and actually paid for my friend to go to business school. And so that's a true story. And it's, wow. it's a testament that a lot of times, like you said, you just need to ask and we're kind of scared. We're conditioned. We're told that you know, there's steps and there's levels to, to things. But like you said, you can make a quantum leap if you just believe in yourself and, and ask. Because I think the universe, God wants you to succeed. But if you don't even know what your goal is or you don't know what you want, then how can you get it if you don't even know what you want? Mm-hmm. Um, listen, Magic Johnson is probably one of my favorite stories in the world. That's a dope story, by the way. But I love Magic Johnson, the businessman, much more than I love Magic Johnson, the athlete. But I think that the thing that people miss, because I was like, I was alive. Like, I love Magic Johnson. Like, my, my favorite basketball players were Charles Barkley, Dr. J, and Magic Johnson. And I remember when Mike, Magic Johnson got, uh, got diagnosed with HIV. I remember the, I remember the press conference. I remember, you know, going to school the next day and people are like, hey, what do you call Magic Johnson in the wheelchair? And I'm like, what? Roll AIDS. Like, <laughs> like, it's hilarious, but it's also a really sad commentary on how people treat people. Even before the HIV diagnosis, I remember people would make fun of Magic Johnson in the way that he spoke. Hey, Magic Johnson, the whole time, the ultimate. You know, I have a good friend and mentor, a guy named Russ Parr. He does an amazing Magic Johnson impersonation. 
you know, and it's tongue in cheek. Magic likes it. It's, it's nothing big. But Magic Johnson was smart enough to number one, buy Starbucks when Shaquille O'Neal told it, turned it down because he didn't think black folks would drink coffee. Mm. Magic Johnson changed the business model of Starbucks. He went and put different music on. He um, created a different type of a culture in there. And then the guy who, who sold him those Starbucks bought them all back from Magic and then took Magic's business plan. That's why Starbucks is so successful. Magic damn Johnson. I went to L.A. If you go to L.A. right now, and I'm not sure where you're located, but if you go to L.A., there's a TGI Fridays. And you know what? It's different yeah, yeah. than every other TGI I Fridays. You know the Magic Johnson. There's a theater yeah. right, right yeah. here where I live. But the shit that's dope, though, is on his Fridays, it says Magic Johnson's TGI Fridays. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> I couldn't do that. I'm Dave Anderson. I can't even buy Fridays and put my name on it. <laughs> they wouldn't let me, but they let Magic. You know, and that's the thing. And Magic looks better than people who never had AIDS, who, like, all of his peers don't look as good as Magic does. And most of his peers spoke better than him in interviews, but they ain't got his bankroll. And they don't have his heart. You know what I'm saying? So, look, if a dude who's diagnosed with HIV and his career was over can be one of the greatest business people of our time, you have zero excuse. Yeah, that is 100% true. I think that that's my point of this series I'm going to do in April is to just tell people to stop making excuses. If you have a goal, you need to first work towards it. Uh, you need to learn. You need to do your research. You need to stop being cheap with yourself, cheap with your time, cheap with your energy, and only do things that are going to help you and your goal. And also be of service to others, like you were saying. If there's some person that you want to emulate or look up to, don't go up to them with the handout. Go up to them and, and show how you can add value to them and it can be mutually beneficial for you to be with this person. Because, like, I'm also a, a screenwriter. And so I went to a panel a couple weeks ago and they had, you know, some producers and writers from Insecure and Being Mary Jane. And it was funny because after the panel, you just, but everyone's bum rushing these women. Like, you, you can't even talk to them. Everyone's like, well, I wrote this script. Uh, here's, here, here it is. Uh, you know, I'm trying to do a project. Here it is. I need some money for this. Here it is. And I just went up and I was like, you know, thank you for your time. I'm, this has been very inspirational to me and I just want to thank you for your time and for for imparting knowledge because this was really helpful to me and I got to talk to these people more than the people that were begging for something because you get begged all the time like why just think about it logically you are a person too. If someone's going to come up to you, some person you don't even know asking for stuff, asking for money, why would you help this person? You need to build a relationship and you need to stop using people and be of use. Like that's what I'm going to start saying because it, it's the fakery is I've had enough. So <laughs> thank you. No, it's it's my pleasure, man. I'm I'm all I'm all about doing the best I possibly can um in everything that I do. Do I come up short sometimes every fucking day? But I got something to strive for, you know? I, I don't want to be the person that just sits back and does nothing. I, I wanna really focus on being the best I can be. Yeah, 
Mm -hmm. I hope that inspired somebody. Yeah, you're, you've inspired me. I'm going to go back and listen to this myself. <laughs> Usually I don't list, like re-listen to my own podcast besides editing purposes, but I think you had a lot of good knowledge in there, and thank you for being on the show. Can you tell the listeners where they can find you, you know, your Instagram, website, anything you want to promote? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. All right, um, first things first, <clears throat> you can text business bully, two words, uh, to 31996. So it's not one big old word, just business, bully, just like it's spelled, no phonetics. I'm not hip hop. Um, <laughs> business bully to 31996. When you do, I'm going to give you a, a really, really cool thing. It's got a, a, I call it the bully bag. It's got so many different um, talks and um, blueprints and ebooks that I've written um, that's going to help you build your business. And then uh, you'll get text message alerts when I'm doing flash sales or appearances in your area, things of that nature. Um, on Instagram and on um, Facebook, it's The Business Bully, T-H-E-B-U-S-I-N-E-S-S-B-U-L-L-Y. And then on uh, Snapchat and uh, on Snapchat and Twitter, yeah, Snapchat and Twitter is D-A Business Bully. On Instagram and Facebook, it's the business bully because they don't let you have that extra letter on Instagram and Facebook. Well, just one quick more question. You have so much social media. Like, are you constantly creating content all day long or do you set aside, like, I'm just going to do an hour of content and then just redistribute it on different platforms? Are you creating content like this is just for Snapchat. This is just for Twitter. This is just for that. Cause that's so many, like, how do you maintain it all? I do my best. <laughs> um, no, there's some days where I'm on it. Like, you know, I think right now Snapchat is probably getting the most neglected. I ain't even gonna lie to you. Um, but everything else like Facebook, you know, I go live every single day. I'll put something up. Um, Instagram. Uh, I definitely, you know, am working to put more content up there because I've got content, but I'm like never, ever happy with it. So I'm working on that part. But, you know, I'm on Instagram every single day. I'm commenting all the time. Like, I feel like people are unfortunately using social media wrong. Last tip, I swear to God, then you're going to get out of here. Yes. All right. So <laughs> with, with Instagram, it's not about your posts all the time. Your, your, your posts are important, but what's more important than your posts is you getting in and, and looking at content that's similar to yours and building relationships. That's the greatest way to build relationships. You know, I honestly, like there are some guys I met when I did a conference in Orlando a few weeks ago and they're everywhere. You know, I even shouted them out in the middle of my speech. You know, and so I, I'll talk to them. I'll see what they're up to. I also look for different podcasters to interview, you know, that are kind of along the same lines because I'm trying to build my audience. I'm trying to build this bully gang. So for me, Instagram is great for that. Twitter, I use to send people to other pieces of content that I have on the web. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Facebook, I'm engaging like hell. I'm asking questions like today on my personal Facebook page, and another um, major key, as my good friend Khaled would say, um, <laughs> is that your, your, your fan pages won't do as well as far as reach goes as your friend pages. You've already got all the fucking friends you need. Treat your business page and your personal page like they're business pages. It's oh. easier for you to then put content on your personal page 
and then filter it over to your business page while you're building that audience because you're going to get more reach on your personal page. So I put up a post today on Facebook saying, um, if I died today, what would you say at my funeral? You know, engagement, engagement, engagement. I don't really care what people say at my funeral. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But it gets people thinking. And it also gives you instant feedback on how people view you how they came to know you, and then you can kind of fine-tune different things and you glean little nuggets from that. You know, Snapchat is just fun, man. You just put some stuff out there. Great way to put out preview clips. Same thing with Instagram. Um, you can use Snapchat and Instagram and use Wave and put up a clip of your, uh, of your podcast. Make it real sexy and let people know where you can have it. And then, you know, with that, you're, you're trying to just build things and find out what people need, but you want to give people a presence. And a lot of you aren't using enough hashtags. Hashtag the shit out of your stuff, but usually only in the first comment on Instagram because you don't want to muddy the waters of your comment, uh, of your caption with a whole bunch of hashtags. That is 100% true. I take that advice. Like, I'll do tests if I don't use any hashtags versus if I use all the hashtags and the, the engagement and the amount of followers I get, the amount of likes I get, it's just, I don't understand why people don't use hashtags. That's why they're there. Yes, indeed. So yeah, that's, uh, you know, that, that, that's, uh, I think that's really cool, but yeah, um, you know, um, definitely on Snapchat here, it is. this is right. Snapchat and Twitter. It is D a business bully. Everything else is the business bully. Okay. Thank you so much for your time again. And I, you know, like I said, I'm a big fan of yours. So it means a lot to me that you'd be on my podcast and hopefully in the future we can talk again. And it was a pleasure talking to you. Anytime. Thank you so much for being patient with me. And thank you for, uh, thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. I appreciate the platform. Okay. Thank you, Dave. Bye. You're very welcome. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Stuff I Don't Like podcast. If you did like what you heard today, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes and the podcast app. Also, do yourself a favor and follow me on the gram. My feed is lit. You will enjoy it for sure at underscore Stuff I Don't Like. You can also stream the show on SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. Just visit stuffidontlike.net for a complete listing of all the places you can find my show. Thanks, and come back next Sunday at 9.30 p.m. for a new episode. Bye.